And do you want to get into any of that stuff about what's going on at home or no? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's that. Let's let's try and be serious, Al. Yeah. We, just, we started the show. You didn't even know it. So, explain oh. explain the insanity that's been going on inside your life. By the way, we have Eric Griffin is going to be a guest on the show. Uh, wasn't able. To, we weren't able to make it so we could both be here. That's going to happen from time to time, where one of us would do an interview, end up on the show, uh, and we'll just cut uh, away to that and then come back to it afterward uh, and wrap up the show. But uh, just because you're in it's Denver. A, it's like when you look up in the stands and only one of your parents is at your game. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Dad's still at the bar. I like to think of it more as uh, a news program such as Daily Blast Live. A correspondent goes out, does an interview, and brings it back to the show. That's the way I like to think of it. But, you know, drunk pop, that's pretty I, good, too. I go straight to alcoholism, Frank. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> at Alan Frank, uh, across the board, Alan Frank, try to be serious.com. And you can hit us up at al at alandfrank.com or frank at alanfrank.com, Reddit uh, slash r slash try to be serious. So you were texting me about some insanity that's been going on in your life. Yes. And, and for our listeners, uh, you know, we always keep it 100, as Frank says. Uh, but I'll have to kind of uh, I'll have to step over some issues like a parent walking into their kids room when they know there's Legos on the floor and the lights are off. Like you just don't want to step on one, but you know, they're out there. So I'm gonna step on a few. Uh, I just, you know, there's some things I might not be able to say because there might be legal things going on. Uh, but long story short, um, I, I would have... just love to do a cut real quick to beep, and that's the story. And now you got everything. No, I have, uh, you know, we all have family, Frank, that just lets you down, man. Uh, and it, There's something about the human condition. I feel like doctors, psychologists have never been able to explain why certain people seem to have a self-destruct button. No matter what you put around them, no matter what the support you give them, no matter whether it's financially, emotionally, uh, you, you, just everything, people can be given, and it just doesn't seem to resonate. It doesn't seem to take. And you take other people who, you know, grow up on the streets, have nothing, sleep in shelters, sleep in the back of cars, and they become physicians. So I don't, I don't understand human beings. I'm not going to try to in the short amount of time we have on this podcast. But I will say... Um, my mom has uh, always looked out for some family members of mine that were young. Uh, she removed them from a dangerous, uh, abusive situation and brought her into, brought them in to live with her. And that has been nothing but a disaster. Um, they, uh, not at first, but it's just been ramping up as adolescent behavior turns into male behavior. Uh, it just gets bad. And it culminated with a... Um, Visit from the uh, from the good old boys in blue. And I guess I can talk about this because, I mean, it happened. I mean, our neighbors know about it, so it's not a secret. Um, some things I believe were going on in that house, allegedly. See, I've been on TV enough that I know when to throw that word in there. Frank, the CYA, <laughs> cover that butt. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but uh, allegedly the, there were some things going on in that home that were not and this is my childhood home this is the the home that i went to middle school and high school in so it's this home that has all my memories from my youth in uh they just your, came in and your just home, wiped their ass with it so uh, first of all your home you come from a pretty great upbringing correct yeah my parents were awesome and they were you had, you told me about this and i think you told me about this before your mom uh multiple degrees is that right yeah, so my mom's got a couple of masters and a PhD. My grandfather has uh, two PhDs in statistics. I believe he got he had both of them before the age of eighteen. He was a mathematical genius. So wow. I, uh, my grandmother was a middle school teacher for I don't know. I think forty years would be putting it pretty on the low end, maybe fifty. Um, you know, my father was an attorney. We come from a. a I was I taught middle school. I have a master's in biomedical sciences and undergrad in biology and you know we take learning and science and very and just 
learning very seriously. And we're a very loving family. And these people came from that. That's why I would love to, if we had some time uh, trying, I think this might settle the nature versus nurture argument, Frank. Yeah, I, think, I don't know I if it's going to settle it, because <laughs> I, I think there's always there's always a mix that you can't 100 percent put something into one side or the other. They both they combine. There is something with genetics. There is something where people come from, how they start, how they already are. How when these people came to your parents, how old were they? Uh, I mean, I was home Young? When, when we brought them home from the hospital so oh really been in my oh. life yes they, oh i didn't realize that. i thought that was the last few years oh no bro i mean oh. the, my entire i've known them for the entire duration of their time on this planet okay and that, that oh that's big difference yeah and it's just like that's i think that's what what hurt worse is it's not like let's say like you were pumping gas and you ran into a homeless guy he hit you with the sob story you brought him into your house cleaned him up got him on his feet and then he uh, you know, stole your car, something. You'd be like, hey, you know, well, I tried to do a good deed and no good deed goes unpunished. And that's kind of that. That's kind of how it works. But when it's family, man, and family that you've stuck your neck out for and family that because dude, let's just keep it all the way 100. My mom at this point is 70 years old, Frank. I am 42. Uh, I've been out of the house since I was 18, really. Uh, my mom has done well for herself. Uh, is it just she, your mom there? Is your dad still? Uh, no, my dad has passed, and also okay. they've been divorced for probably the last 30 years. So okay. He's not there in every way, Frank. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, they had a great relationship. But after I graduated high school, and especially college, and moved on, I went to Miami, then New York, then L.A., now Denver, I'm her son and her son is grown as hell and out the house. My mom, like a lot of people listening's mothers after they were done with high school, college, and basically when you were grown up, your, your mom and your dad hopefully had a chance to take the uniform off to be like, yeah, I'm still your parent, but my mom's not my parent. Like she was when I was 12, she's my, that's my girl. That's who I love, you know, but she, she should have been able to get married, move to, Hawaii, Costa Rica, Maine, anywhere with shoreline and enjoy not the rest of her years because she's not 80, but enjoy the second half of life. You worked your balls off and now you did your job and you should be able to enjoy the fruit years. What do you call, so, what do you call it? The salad days. So how old are these people she was taking care of now? And there's you've been they dancing are, around it. So I, I, go ahead. They, and, they, are, they are 18 years old. Now. OK, They're 18 twins. years old. She's 70. And yes. there was some bad stuff going on in that household for a while. And did yeah. you have any uh, thoughts of that happening? Any was I anything was leading to that? Floored. Uh, okay. When I so first this was got a yeah. When I got a whiff of it, uh, I got a whiff of it six months ago. Um, my sister called me and was like, "There's some about women, bro." And especially, I call it black woman magic. Women just know stuff, like intuitively. She was just like, I don't, I don't like the way mom sounds. I don't know what's going on over there. I don't like this. And I was like, well, you know, they're graduating in like six months and they'll be out of the house. And, you know, they're just, I, I chalked it up to seniors in high schools being the normal level assholes that seniors in high school are entitled, selfish, you know, whatever. Let me use the car kind of stuff. Um, it was much greater than that. I can't go into detail, but take that and times it by a thousand. Yeah, let me. What we're going on. Maybe at some point you will be able to talk more about this. And I think because you, you kind of have to talk in so much code right now, uh, we get the gist of it. Um, and like I said, you can't go any further with it. But I would just say this: it's a totally different world than when we grew up, right? And you you mentioned yeah. nature versus nurture. And their school life is totally different than our school life was. And technology and availability of information, good and bad, is out there. You have a 70-year-old woman. I don't care how with it she is. Right. Um, it's just not the same as having a 35, 40-year-old parent, I don't think. 
they and might she would have, tell you the same thing. Yeah, and that's there's not that's nothing against the person. Plus, she's doing everything she can to help these people. But if if I see the the way my son and my daughter push our buttons, my Michelle and me, and uh, tem, uh, test us constantly to see what we're paying attention to and what we what they what we aren't. Plus. It might be your blood, but when it's not your parent, I don't know if there's as much guilt when you do something badly. That's a great point I didn't think about. Yeah, I didn't when, think about that. And you already are in a situation where you've been you've been taken, not taken, but helped out by somebody that isn't your parent. Like we always have this our conscience is tied to our parents, right? Our conscience is tied to that's what I learned at least in high school psychology which is the furthest I got with it. Maybe I think you got further. No, that's that's where I stopped. I got off at the same I got off at the same stop you did. So, there was you know the Freudian stuff and everything where your conscience is what your parents deem to be good and bad because that's where it's developed. So, if your parents if you aren't with your parents, there is a piece of you that goes, "Well, you're not my mom." You're not my dad. I've seen it with even with adopted children and stuff like that. You can't Step tell children, me what to do. Definitely. So there's an element of, well, I'm going to test this. Plus, you're not my mom. Uh, you can only say so much. You might be watching me, but you didn't have me. You don't have that tie to me. That that it, You kind of make it up in your head because for a person to take on a child and raise them and help raise them, that's even more difficult than somebody who you did give birth to because you might not have that bond and that level of responsibility and guilt for him. Like, okay, go ahead, go. If you're, you know, if you're going to be bad, go. You know, you could say it, that, it, but so you keep trying welcoming. That's such a great point, Frank. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody just articulate that that simply. And uh, you know, when I when people ask me about you, they say, "How's Frank?" I say, "He's simple." Uh, but, but no, honestly, that's a great I believe point. there's a lot to that. <laughs> it, honestly, because if you think about it, we go, hey, you're not my mom. You're not my dad. And the person should respond, you know what? I'm not. I'm a person that had no legal and biological responsibility to you, but I cared so much about you. I threw that out of the window. A lot of people are being raised by parents that could care less, but they're like, yeah. oh, he's my kid and he's got my last name and the government said that they'll arrest me if they find him skipping school again, so I've got to be there. It's it's honestly, it's more, it's like the difference between somebody doing a community service because a judge told them to and somebody doing a community service because it's in their heart. I chose but, you. I chose yeah. you. I picked you. I didn't have to. I chose you. You're in my life because I wanted you here, not because I was stuck with you. There is that element, but the other side of it is people don't see that. They're like, well, you're not the boss of me. And it's again, once again, it's the I'm over here, you're over there. No, I'm over here, you're over there kind of thing. People just see things differently. But uh, I think that at a point, I'd love to come back to this because we're kind of talking in circles about it, and I want to get to the Eric Griffin stuff. Right, uh, and I'll but, be able to talk about this in a, in a couple months. I mean, obviously, there's you know, there's still some. But the reason I was, I'm glad you brought this up, and the reason I didn't put the kibosh on this conversation is because my whole goal is to like let everybody know that every human being is dealing with some ish, mm -hmm. you know. And people will look at you and I, or you might look at a supermodel, or you might look at a guy that's got uh, that's got a Porsche in the driveway, or a guy that's got four kids and they're all really healthy. And you go, well, that guy's got it all. That that girl's got it all. And everybody is dealing with their own bag of just angry kittens in a bag, just trying to de just trying to get through the day. And on the outside, we all appear to be doing. Uh, differently and some of us appear to be doing well and it doesn't take away from that but at the same time i don't want people to ever look at it not anybody looks at me and thinks i have a perfect life but just realize that nobody does and realize that when these microphones go turn off when these stage lights go turn off when you park that ferrari in the driveway whatever you're walking into in that house is still waiting on you and it it it's it's no shame. It's like I, I just hope people can all commiserate and also bond in the fact that at the at the end of the day we're all human beings, bro. And uh, you know, we're dealing with things and you can empathize or sympathize with, with almost everybody's situation. So with that said, 
let's transition with into the the Eric Griffin interview. And so, I was all right. I uh, here's what here's what I'm thinking. Uh, let's get back to this uh, at another time, Al. When you can talk about it a little bit more directly, and instead, let's shift gears and. That's perfect. All right, if that's the case, let me. Uh, I want to finish listening to it so we can have a, uh, an articulate conversation about it. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, to interview Eric, which I'd heard about him a lot. I didn't know that much, to be honest with you, and I don't like to do a bunch of last-second research and uh, you know pretend like I watch different shows. I didn't. I tend to stay away from comedy because I feel like I'm going to work. I, I analyze it more than I have fun with it. But I did go to see him at the Improv. And was completely blown away how versatile he is. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, he not only did it great, had great jokes, uh, made great points, uh, took people on a roller coaster ride of emotions. Uh, the singing, the characters, everything was just fantastic. And I don't think of this as much of an interview as it is a conversation. I wanted to keep it in the lines of our show. And it was almost like doing a version of Alan Frank with Eric Griffin. I love it. And he, as you'll see in this interview, he's he's just fantastic, dynamic, smart, and uh, a lot of fun. So without further ado, unless I've said that already, I don't even remember, here it is, the Eric Griffin conversation. So uh, Eric Griffin, uh, workaholics, go through your resume because that's I, I listen i here's the thing I, I can say go through your resume and then i talk to you for a second i, I like to interrupt <laughs> my own interviews i get i get killed for this all the time because it's what i do i don't watch a lot of comedians and there's a reason i don't watch a lot of comedians why is that because what i do is i would work with david tell when i was younger and i would be talking like david tell by the end of the weeky week oh got you so it's like i don't i don't watch a lot of comedians uh, Dr. Katz, remember that? Dr. Katz, yeah, professional yeah. therapist. One of the things Jonathan Katz said is don't watch a lot of comedians because then you'll start to be like other comedians. And it's worse for me because I'm like a sponge. I always want to go, what am I going to do? And I'll figure it out. It's made it tougher for me in a lot of ways. But I went and saw your show mm -hmm. the other night. And uh, I didn't know what to, I did not know what to expect because I, d I had seen you on uh, Speak for Yourself with uh, a mutual friend of ours, yeah, Jason, Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock. I stole this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me one. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if I, I don't think they cared, but no. I, for me, I was like, I'm keeping this. And I put it over my. <laughs> so uh, I, was, I was actually incredibly surprised because I, I and I, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. No, no, I totally um, get it. I expected more of like a monologist, um, joke-telling type of person. And the first thing I noticed is that I did not let you give a little bit of your resume, which I <laughs> So why don't you give <laughs> – now you know what Al feels like. We've gotten like emailers that are like – What are we doing, Frank? Tell me what we're doing. <laughs> so tell, tell people a little bit about oh, yourself, okay. where they might have seen you because it's – you might have seen me on Workaholics. That was my big one, Montez on Workaholics. I did seven seasons of that. Then I was on Blunt Talk with Patrick Stewart. I did a, I just, I, but I was like recurring on that. Mm -hmm. And then I did, uh, I was a regular on I'm Dying Up Here. That okay. was on Showtime. Showtime. Um, and then I was in Murder Mystery. I just didn't. That's uh, I saw that. I, yeah. I I didn't see the movie yet. Uh, apparently, everybody else in the world <laughs> yeah, yeah, has yeah. the biggest downloaded uh, thing in the world because of you. I heard. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> but I'm the first thing you see, so I love it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the first thing. I'm the first words you hear is my voice. Oh wait, you're are you the mystery that's murdered? No, no, no. Okay. I'm just his partner. We're walking out of a police station, having this talk, this walk and talk. That's awesome. So that was great. So I did that, and then here, and I, and of course my podcast, Riffin with Griffin, and instant. Instagram is as all, I'm, I'm at Eric Griffin on most things, and Eric with a K. Yeah, E-R-I-K Griffin. Is there anything behind that K? Uh, I think my mom. She said she when she was pregnant with me, she watched a bunch of Viking movies. <laughs> That's literally what she said to me. <laughs> so it was either Eric with a K or Loki. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then she ate a lot of graham crackers, so my middle name is Graham. Uh, is there is that real or yeah. is that just that? Yeah, she said when I was pregnant, I loved graham crackers, so I said, "Well, my name is middle name is going to be Graham." My middle name is Lee, so my name is actually Frank Lee Caliendo. Oh, you sound I'm like a general. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like or 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 uh, uh, like frankly. Yeah. That's, oh that's, no! Yeah, you couldn't yeah, tell people that. Brutal. That's really well, what my, my middle name is. My initials spell egg, so you can imagine how that that's has funny. been a thing. 
That's right. I didn't realize that because yeah. I didn't know the Graham and I don't. Uh, yeah, Eric do well. Graham Griffin is my name. So then people are like, you know, Egg. I used to be called Eggs. You know, what's up, Egg? You, you know? should just not tell anybody that I your know, middle I, name is, is Graham. Fir- literally the first time I've talked about it. Even I don't even. I never even said that on my podcast. Really? Yeah. Well, it, it, is it like Graham, like Alexander Graham Bell? Is yeah, it, is G-R-A-H-A-M. That, I like how you had to think about it. Because yeah. you know, I don't because you know, do you really, you know what? Uh, mine's Lee. It's pretty you know, easy. Yours is easy, but you don't really use your middle name a lot. It's not like you're you're ever just it, only on airline things. If you're traveling right. internationally, yes. you would put your middle name. But yeah, I don't. Maybe really, if your mom's yelling at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric Graham Griffin. <laughs> Egg. Yeah. I'm gonna break you. <laughs> Uh, I like how, I like how you did a voice for my mom. Was, yeah. Well, I, I was trying. To, I was actually. You can't of, even help yourself. I was kind of taking off of your voice. That's why I thought your voice for your mom would be. Um, uh, well, here's okay. So I went and saw your show, uh, and I was more than pleasantly surprised. I, and the reason I say that because I don't know what to expect when I go see a comedian. I expect people, I guess, to just be monologists all the time. The the level of talent you have, and I'm not doing a Jimmy Fallon like, oh, you're so amazing. You're like, right, it's right, not. Right. I'm not, uh, and even that, I'm not, and I'm not trying to rip Fallon. He just, uh, he just really likes everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to be in Jimmy Fallon's position. J- James um, Corden is the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, but <laughs> I, I was blown away. I honestly I was. And, I'll, and I'll, great. I'll tell you why. And can, if I, if you don't mind me breaking down no, a little please, bit please, of what please, I said. No, go. One, you have this great. Just your speaking voice is this cool baritone voice. Even before that, I'll start out with the way you walk up, you have, you just, it's not a jaunt, it's not a saunter, but it's kind of like, you kind of, I, I don't want to say jaunt. swaddle? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a- <laughs> But you th- your legs, you kind of throw them out in front of you. Uh, it's because you're a big guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I look. I always look up how tall people are going to be because I'm only five six. Yeah. And it says you're six four on the. Is that how tall? I'm six you're? three. Okay. So same thing to me. Yeah. They put. They yeah. That might as well be Shaq. But <laughs> when you're five six. Yeah. Six four to me is a tiny little man. So I, yeah, I'll just throw him in. I'm like a producer's button where you press yeah. the button and. You, so, but you, it's just the way you walk is just this big guy kind of walk. It's already incredibly likable, lovable. You have a teddy bear element to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have this baritone voice. Um, You'll never find. <laughs> singing was another thing that I didn't expect. Oh. Is I, I, I started listening to singing, and I was telling somebody, I go, he's a really good singer. I don't know if you've ever used it. Yeah, well, I, you know, I always say I have the, uh, the voice of an angel and the face of a comic. <laughs> There's something incredible. Listen, Joey Diaz. I met to you know. I'd seen Joey Diaz, and he actually was on my show when I had a show on TBS years ago. And there's just something about certain faces that you just they make you smile. I don't care how big the person is. I don't care how like Joey Diaz. I didn't know whether to be scared or just love him and hug him. Yeah. And there's there's that element of people like that. You don't know what to do. And when you have those two things, that can really work for it. It can confuse some people, and some people might have two looks that are confusing. Mm-hmm. When people look at me, I don't know what their thought is. They, mm-hmm. they, I don't. That's part of casting. I don't know what a person thought is when they see me. But when they see you, uh, there's just like, okay, he could be a cop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could be a security – easy, a security guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's going to be somebody – Principal of the school. Yes. Teacher. Yeah. You, like, yeah. You but know. are you ever – are you – okay, so let me ask you this. Are you ever the the highly intelligent principal – or is it kind of like the guy who's the nice guy who's like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some discipline? Oh, well, you know what? I'm on I'm dying up here. I really had to stretch, and that was, it was a dramatic show. Yeah, you know, it was very dramatic. So it was like that was the first time I was playing like a sort of really a uh, really d- in-depth character right like somebody that had like a history he was from vietnam and he had all these things going on and it was like oh wow you know so it was very like it was challenging so but for comedies and stuff like that yeah it's it's kind of broad yeah you know? well that's a different uh, the, the acting in the in the dramatic world so different than comedy comedy you can kind of play what i look like is who i am yeah drama all of a sudden they might have an, a, a, a perspective on you from the beginning but now you better have that backstory in your mind like right. you're talking about and i'm going to react this way and this way in a comedy you can react the total wrong way and that's the comedy of it and that's the thing that makes comedy way harder than drama you thought I find yes, I find that comedy acting is a lot harder. Yeah. Because with drama, you're grounded in like, you know, it's this is what it is. 
here's the scene, and even if it's like a little complex, meaning like I'm mad at you because of some backstory or whatever, and this is how, but in the scene, it is what it is. Right. With comedy, people don't understand. People think doing something funny is what makes you funny. Right. When, when, in, when in reality, it's the, the reaction of someone watching somebody doing something that they think is funny. Mm-hmm. could possibly be what makes something funny. Like Ben Stiller in a movie, one of the greatest reactors of all time, something is going on, he's reacting, and thus this, the whole scene becomes funny. Yes. You're not necessarily the guy, you know, grabbing uh, your testicles and, you know. And right. That's the, Some people might find that funny, but it's the reaction on it that people are like, we got to get out of here. Like but- De Niro with Stiller, De Niro doesn't have to do anything but be De Niro. Right. In a situation where he, we don't want him to be De Niro, and that's what Ben Stiller is reacting to, mm-hmm. and then that's what makes it funny. That's a lot more complex. That's a lot more, it, it, as the comedic actor, and especially for comics, because we're used to saying stuff and, and having yes. a, and the crowd laugh. In comedy, sometimes you have to be the person that is doing something that's going to make this person have a reaction that's then going to make the crowd laugh. Right. And sometimes it's hard for comedian, comedic actors to not – They feel I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being funny. I don't feel like I'm being it's funny. It's the stress of yes. trying to create the comedy <laughs> that takes you away from being comedic. Yes. Like you're so worried about creating the comedy that you can't live inside of the comedy. Right. And then you start thinking – like I only learned about acting in the last couple of years. I, I thought I knew about acting a little bit. I knew nothing. Mm. And it's exactly what you're saying is if you're in the moment – and I agree with that. I don't like comedic roles for me, especially as, as the more I learn about acting. Because I'm like, uh, that's just a lot to think about to try and create that. Right. I'd rather try and be real. And then I always, in a comedic moment, I go, well, I would never do this. Is I go, and I start thinking about that. Then you're done. Right. You, know, you can't. Be, you got because it's because you have to remember that what what this this is for the audience watching. Right. That's the thing that people we forget. This is for the audience watching that's not there. And like we have, we're, we're telling a story, and this services the story. These things that we're doing service a greater right. story. And then we, and we have to just be okay with like in that moment. And we have to, then we rely on editing and we, we rely on, you know, the storytelling as opposed to like our individual performance. And that's hard for like yes. a comedic okay. actor or a comedic uh, person to like deal with. As a comedian, you're always thinking about how am I funny? And it's not the scene. It's just you creating it out mm-hmm. of nothing as opposed to in the scene you're just a cog in the machine and you might be the funny part, but you're funny because of something else happening and it's reaction. And it's, there's, there is some truth to it in drama. It's totally truth, but in comedy or uh, in, in, in comedy, yeah, in comedy, there's just this, you need everything to work or, or can look incredibly forced. Right. And that's what, and that's the problem that always happens. So for me, when I come out on stage, like I use it to my advantage that like my goal sometimes is to be like, how far can I go with this perceived likability? Mm-hmm. And that is something that I strive for. Like I purposefully like see how, how, what can I get away with? Like can I say like how far can I push it to to make my point and then have people be like, oh, I can't believe he said that. But hmm, I agree or disagree, right? You know, and I think that I, and I I'm able to do that because of, partly because of these how I look, right? I think the glasses help too. I mean, glasses, the glasses, the mustache. Face, you the, know what I mean? There's it. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it all works. That's yeah, yeah. that. That's the thing. I thought you touched on, like I thought you talked a lot about social things, which I, I guess from hearing you, seeing you a little bit before. I expected some of that, and then I was blown away by the level of talent. Same thing when I went to go see Ken Jeong. I was like, holy cow, he does so many different things, and it's so conversational. I'm talking about you again. It's just he, he's like that too, but it's that way of just you're talking, and ha- it's like you're holding court with friends. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. That's, no, that's the part where I've always been very presentational, and we'll talk about more of that when, when I do your podcast. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just watching you do that, so – I also loved how you worked the room in terms of you were you had things that could be taken as political 
Um, everything be- seems to become political nowadays. I think it's the internet because we all used to have opinions, but we didn't hear them all, all the time. Right. And there was also this element of gossip just got around and made its way somewhere, and you'd be like, ah, that's just a bunch of gossip, but now it's people saying it directly, and you can go back and look at it and have a snapshot in history mm-hmm. to see something. But I, I was amazed because you, you did this, uh, did stuff, Donald Trump stuff. And in, in, in Phoenix, where I saw you, there's going to be, I think you probably hit it about on the it's head. Like you 60, said 60, 40. 60, 40. Yeah, yeah, right around there. <laughs> but it's funny to watch because you say that, and this happens with me too. And I, I walk a line of trying not to offend anybody um, because that's not, that's just not who I am. It's not that I'm not trying to. It's just like, eh, if I, I always say this with Al, and we'll probably talk about this after uh, he hears you um, with me. I always believe that people come, and I think you might have even said something like this in, in your in your act just to help people along to keep them from ganging up on you or jumping too far on a side. But it was, I don't know where somebody came from. I don't know what somebody's life experiences are. And that forms a person. And I can't, that's what I always say with Al. I go, you're a black man. That's totally different than me. I'm a, a white kid, grew up in the suburbs, didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. But People react to me differently yeah. in the suburbs. Uh, if I were a woman, it would be the same kind of thing. You, you have to understand that. that that's, we all have these societal things that happen. It goes back to the tribalism you were talking about. We always talk about – I think we might have talked about that, that before we even got on the air. But there's that tribalism. But you 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 address that real. It's funny because you brought up Trump and you told the person you know take a drink every time you say Trump. Because yeah. the reason why I said that to that guy because that was a table – that, you know, you know, you you know, when you do comedy for so long, you become like, like you can read people. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I I feel like I'd be a great fortune teller. I could be like a good fake mentalist. Fortune teller. Mentalist. Yes, because I can look at somebody and be like, you know, I think that you know, I could just kind of. But that's tough because you're judging a book by its cover a little I know, bit. But, it's not but we do that. We do, it's real. It's not even just the. It's I know. Like, it's the body language. It's like it's you say Trump and you see what. What's, oh, this what's guy. I can tell. Like I said, oh, this looks like a Trump table. You know what I mean? And it's almost like I'm letting them know that it's okay if you right. are. Right. You know what I mean? It's okay if you are because one thing I don't want to be is just like, uh, you know, my reasons for say not liking the president uh-huh. are not just just the face value stuff. I just feel like you know. You're not a good leader if you if if you divide people, you know. And I would th- feel that way about any kind of president, sure. no matter what they were, you know. So, anyways, so here's a guy that I could tell if there's if he's a Trump supporter, he's probably like, oh, I don't like to say this out loud around this kind of environment, you know. This is because this is like br- this is where liberals live, <laughs> you know. Right. And it's like I don't want to be, you know, clapped well, on. And I'm like letting them know by making fun of them in a way like, hey, it's okay, but I am about to. Right. Do some stuff, but I'm letting you in on it too. Right, right, right. You well, it's funny because you said something. I can't remember what exactly it was, but you, you said something about Trump, and a guy's like, "That's what I'm talking about." But he was a big <laughs> Trump guy, and it was just so funny to have him get on board on the thing. And I thought, I thought you were very fair with the criticisms and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I found there was a there was a duality of what you did. I thought you, I thought you made some great social points, and I thought, um. It was very interesting how you did it, because I thought, and I thought brilliant, because you'd say I am this, this is what I am, but I'm. It's exactly what you're saying is like, you're okay to be that, but just listen to me. I'll listen to you. I'll, yeah. I'll judge off of how you're going, and um, it was just, it was just really good and not something I'd seen from a lot of people. I, I also believe this. I mean, the more comics I see, I don't think there are a lot of conservative comics. I've talked to some comedians, that some older school comedians that are like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of conservative comedians. I, I like, I don't think so. I think they're like old school kind of liberals or they're more uh, like, like they're 90s Democrat type of well, people. Well, I'll say they're financial yeah. conservatives. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot more than that. I think there's a lot of people. Most people are like, do whatever you want. It's almost that libertarian thing yeah, without being yeah, labeled. Yeah. But I always say uh, – have your gay wedding, just don't make me pay for it. There's no reason for me to pay for the, You know, I don't understand why. And I, I like, I, I shouldn't say I like paying taxes. I don't mind paying taxes. But sometimes you feel like you're paying taxes for the same thing over and over and over. And you're like, 
couldn't this be done better and then maybe we could allocate to some other group that needs the help as opposed to man don't even get me started on taxes i mean it's just like you know you think about this if you go to a store and you're going to buy a product okay so start with the the, the 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 store so they have to buy a product that they get taxed for for buying that product <laughs> and then they sell the product and they have to tax the people they're selling the product that they already got taxed for. Then they have to pay their employees, right, with the profits that they got taxed on. And then those people that they pay are taxed with the money that you're paying them that you got taxed. Right. So it's like, where does it end? Well, then you go and you, you even look at your phone bill and you're being taxed in your phone bill. Yes. Like so, it's just constant. So everything that we buy is taxed with money that was taxed. Right. So I, I don't, you know you know what I mean? It just is such a weird system. It's the greatest pyramid system. It's a, it's, it's a Ponzi scheme right. for sure. And, and, and what are we supposed to do? So like I'm the one of these types that's like, here's a corporation. So they go, these corporations aren't paying taxes. And I say, well, these corporations are also – paying 100,000 employees, and those 100,000 employees are paying taxes. Right. So it's just- Right, there is that, there is that element. It's just a matter of like- Well, people don't ever realize what the reality is. Of if, you have, if you're sending money and your profits off overseas or something to not to be taxed less, or that you don't bring it- It's more that you don't bring it back. That's yeah. where some of the um, problem comes from. But I'm, I'm totally on board with you. I'm just saying- but What's more American? Like, what's the thing, if you would say, what makes us American the most? Taxes. Right. <laughs> I agree, though. I know what we laugh I'm saying about it's a it, joke, but I guess it's real. It, it, but it's like, it's like, what's the thing that makes you the most American? Right. It's like, you know, it's what patriotism and it's paying taxes. So when companies go overseas- it's to me, it's almost treasonous, <laughs> right? You know, when you don't pay your taxes, but you know, when, you know, when you have a shell company someplace, or if you take your your car building company and you move it someplace so you could pay less, to me, like, how is that being, you know, American? Well, I, I would say that the argument is that it's just so expensive to do it here that That's part of being. Okay. But they couldn't do it. How about right? this? Well, they could. They just want to make more money. Let me give you an example. Some, can, some yes. What? But it probably doesn't start out that way. It probably starts out as like if you, if you watch Shark Tank, they're like, well, you're never going to be able to make the money here. Right, right, right. right. You got to start. But then it's like you, do, you talk Apple and stuff like that. I'm totally – not that I'm against you other way. I'm just – I kind of play some devil's advocate here. Mm, that's fine. But I, I agree with you. It's like you go and you're – Finding every way you can not to pay any money and then not bring it back. It's yeah. like, come on. But here's a, here's a, that's the bad. That's the bad. Here's a real world example, I think. When you go to a movie theater and you pay $7 for a bag of popcorn, when you pay that $7, you already know this isn't worth $7. But I'm paying this. It depends on the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> but when you pay that $7, you're paying it because you know, like $7 for the popcorn. All the condiments are free. $7 for the, the butter for, stuff. For the Coke, whatever it is. You know, right. when you pay $25 for something that is probably worth $3, we're paying that because we know this is how the movie theater makes money. Mm -hmm. This is their only way to make money, and they're providing this service for us, so we're going to pay the markup. Right. That's taxes. So that's what it means – when like a company is like, what's going to be so expensive for me to make this here? Yes, but you're also going to be providing jobs for your fellow Americans. That's supposed to be the trade-off. Like there are certain things in our country that I believe should not be for profit the way they are, and one of them is one's the news. That's an interesting news point. shouldn't be for profit. Education shouldn't be for profit. Uh, healthcare shouldn't be for profit. You know, like if you have a like an MRI machine. You have the machine. Why are you charging $6,000 to do an MRI? Like, we could, like, it should pay for itself is what I'm trying to say. Like, right, that, I'm not saying a doctor shouldn't make money. I'm not saying, like, but what I'm talking about is, like, if there's some person that, that's sitting someplace and they've got a billion dollars and they've never held a scalpel in their life, but they're just the the CEO of some pharmaceutical company or, like, I just don't get, like, like the fact that, 
People are dying. It's difficult. Need it's a difficult thing because the system is capitalism, right? I get that. And then the the difficult thing is where are the ethics and morality in the capitalism, which is what I think is the difficulty of where we've hit. Yeah. Because it used to be when things were smaller, when there wasn't this amount of money out there where the technology wasn't out there. The neighborhood people at the level of technology that people had was the doctor going to your house and they they would make that free house call. They would it was the neighborhood person. And then it does become corporate and then a, a piece of it gets lost. Again, I'm not saying it I, should no, no, be free. I'm not trying to make it okay. be a negative. I'm, I'm right. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm just I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate while also a, kind of agreeing with you. I, I find it difficult because I've said the same thing about the news, but then I go, geez. I like the overall capitalism. I, I do like Me that. Me too. <laughs> but then it's difficult with the news because just look at the clickbait and all the things that the news channels do. I don't know. And people would tell me, oh, you're just being uh, – you're getting tricked here and you're getting tricked by this side or that side. And I said, I don't know what's real anymore because I don't believe – I went to school for journalism. And they used to teach us don't become part of the story. And if you ever tune, turn, in, tune on, uh, turn on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. Which they're all the same. They're, uh, yeah, they, they all have slants. Because yeah. you're always, I always learned this from the critical thinking in the mass media class, was that you're always going to see through human eyes, and the human eyes are always going to have some type of determination that's built in, that's going to skew you some way. But they're all... Uh, they're all talking about each other and becoming the story. Mm-hmm. And when they become the story, they're not giving you an objective view at all anymore. They're in this fight of who, you know, he said, he said, she said, she said, all that kind of thing. And you're going, but that's, I just want to know information. I don't want to know it from a slant. And there's not, there's no true 100% way of getting true information. It's always going to be right. going through a filter well, now, that is the check human. This out. Now we feel that way because of what we know now. Like Because now that there's so much more uh, information, is, mm-hmm. we can access more information, we realize, oh, I don't, I don't have to believe any of these things I hear. See, for, in our, when we were young, you would watch the news and you would know in your mind, well, they're telling us the truth. Right. Because this is the news. They have to, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we thought. We believed. We believed. Come to find out, they've been lying since the since forever. Because there is <laughs> a, a, an element of money coming in right. and sponsors and stuff like that. Agenda. And, yeah, it, and it's difficult. I mean, I get I, it's. Listen, I, I always. Uh, I, I, this is one of the ways I describe it. There, two people can have totally opposing. Um, viewpoints. I should say this. Two people can see something totally differently and it's the same event and they can both not be lying. Uh, This is the way I always point it out. I'm over here and you're over there. But you would say, no, I'm over here, you're over there. (laughs) And we're both right about something. You're just looking at from something, you're just looking at it in a different way from a different perspective. Yeah, you're on my left and I'm on your right. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. – and if you yeah. turn – if you look at it from this way, it's different yeah, from looking yeah, at it this yeah, way. Yeah. There's just – it's a different perspective. So this was another point that you made in your act, uh, in your show, in your little comedy skit. <laughs> I know. That's how people talk to you. They're like, oh, I saw your little skit. Very, very – oh, it's good. I so, thought was maybe the funny – because it was so it, – I love honesty and reality, and that's what I'm trying to come from in my comedy. We'll talk about that more on your podcast mm-hmm. when I'm on with you. But the, the, you said to the audience, you go – and we try not to – we don't swear and we bleep, bleep, bleep it out because one of the points with this show is we're always trying to – we always don't want to turn somebody off by just using quote-unquote bad language or something. We'll bleep it out, though, for this. It's uh, it's a you don't know what the fuck I am. <laughs> Which I was like, the first time I saw, I said to Jason Whitlock, I go, is he black? I don't. <laughs> That's what and I get. I, I didn't think, I, I, I said, I, but you, you played a Officer Ramirez, you said earlier. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, I was like, I, I don't need, I've, I've been everything. But there is something too, when you said that, I have to believe everybody in the audience thinking almost the entire show, 
is he? But not that it's important. You just we're 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 curious. It's one of those things, and I you know I never say on stage because you know what I used to say. I used to have a joke of I'd be like, people want to know what you are so they can know how to hate you. Okay. You know, and then and that's interesting because people could could could. They could look at it the other way. They want to know who you are. But they don't because they want to know what you can and cannot say. Yeah, I think you've been in L.A. quite a bit. (laughs) There's that L.A. They want to know. They want to know. So that's why when I say things on stage, I'll say something and then, you know, Sometimes I'll say, and I I used to say, oh, I know you got, I know you guys are wondering. You probably think I shouldn't have said that. You know, you're probably wondering what I am, and let me tell you what I am, hilarious. <laughs> but there's a greatness to that. Yeah. There's such a greatness <laughs> to that. But I, to me, when I watch that, just I people watch at the same time. Oh yeah, 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 audience. yeah. I people watch, and people are just like they're on their like, like they're on their feet. Right? What's he gonna? Why? Why? Yeah, we want to, but. Then you don't get you don't give him anything you move you move on from it. I'm like, oh, did he just misdirect there? That was that you're going to the next thing. <laughs> you got everybody wondering. You don't really go somewhere, and it was, but it was, and I I actually look at it this way. I go, I don't want to know where some why somebody who they are what their ethnicity is. I just want to know what I think I and it might be stereotypes or something in my own head, but I want to know their perspective. Like maybe I can assimilate to understand the perspective a little bit more right but see that's a box but, it's, but you don't need that you, yeah you, no it's better for you not you're right right that's why i don't oh yeah oh yeah like, 100 I'm gonna, like i'm not gonna be one of those guys that come up and go like you know i'm half this and i'm half that so that means i can you know i'm terrible at driving and i might right. steal you know whatever you know what i mean <laughs> like what, and we both know, you know what, what, you know what the mean? two were that you were just <laughs> like i don't want any racist you know i don't want any of those kinds of things because then people know okay and they frame it in their head right then when they're listening to you they go they do what you just said they're like oh Okay, so he came from this background. Like sometimes I don't like saying anything. Like I don't even like saying like I'm, I'm not only wh- child because then then people go, oh, he's an only child. So that means oh, I get that right. he doesn't know how to share and he doesn't you know, you know what I mean. Like they have these perspectives that I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to explain why I'm gonna try to explain it myself. Right, but I'm not looking at it for the comment. I wasn't looking at it for entertainment. Oh, I'm looking at it for analysis yeah, of the yeah, comedian, yeah. which is the other reason I hate watching comedy because. I'm going to analyze the whole time and just. Tr- I shouldn't but say that's hate. Okay. I struggle. I want. I just want to learn and watch, and that, like I said, it was amazing to watch you go in and out of things. And you talked from. I don't. I didn't think you wavered on your perspective. But like I started to say before, you'd say something that was talking about an issue, and then you'd be totally politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah. But I. I didn't feel that. Um, it didn't make me. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I guess I'm trying to um, censor myself for no reason whatsoever here. It didn't make me think less of you or better for. It just made me go, God, this guy's good at this. Well, you know what the thing. My one of my favorite type of compliments is like. It actually is from um, because about a year ago when the Me Too was heavy and the and the Trump, like this, you know, this hatred of the president and all this was really strong. You know. It's that's gone. No, it's not. But okay. it's different now. I think everybody's everybody knows where they people stand are tight, now. but people are tight. Yeah, but yeah, they're tight. But like it was bad. Like I, I, it was hard to do comedy. Like you know, you go into because like people from coastal cities, they think that that's what America is. Like people in L.A. think they have the, you know. That's an element I suck. We have the pulse of America because we're you know we're on Twitter. Like no man, you don't know what's going on in the middle of the country. You know, you know, and I was, I'm out here in these streets. Yes. So I'm out here in St. Louis or someplace like that, and I'm like, wow, people are, conservatives are angry. I don't know why. You won. You're winning. What are you mad about? And then the liberals are too sensitive. And then they're at shows, and it's like no matter what you say, they're like coming at you. So I, I found myself having to be more thoughtful about what I said. And then when the Me Too happened, too, it was like you can't just – you can't just trash women in a misogynistic way without it being clever and thoughtful. <laughs> but, but, but add a twist of a phrase, and you got no. I no. Exactly. No, no. But it, listen, I am. Look, they are fifty percent of the population. Right. You're gonna get talked about. Right. I love talking about women because their reactions are so hilarious. Right. It's the comedy of it. It's like women are so – the double standard in our society when it comes to women makes comedy gold. I love it so much. You had that one uh, – t- tell me where it, it – uh, 
It was like a girl power kind of moment where they're- Oh, I was talking about in Aladdin. Oh. <laughs> Which, by the way, you're singing in there, too. That's funny, because I've been doing Trump Sings Disney, like, I can show you the world. <laughs> so, uh, and it was great to hear you do actually really good singing. Um, but that moment in the Aladdin thing, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Keep no, it's going. okay. Uh, no, but it's just about, like, because they had this girl power song that they, they added, you know? They got this girl power song, and it's just like, and it's so aggressive. But first, the women reacted to that, and you went to their reaction, like they said, like, like, "Oh come on, you, yeah. you know." Like when my daughter watches, um, like she'll watch Captain Marvel or something like that. Uh-huh. She's thirteen; she just turned thirteen. She was twelve at the time. She goes, "Why do they have to uh, put the H E R her in hero? Why can't she just be a woman that's a hero and not have to point out that she's a woman? We can see that she's a woman. That's my twelve-year-old daughter going. I don't need it to, to be pointed out. I can see it already. I go. That's yeah. called marketing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think she's right. She's hit on something. She's like, I see it. I don't need to be beaten over the head with it. And again, I've cut into your story. And no, 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 it's fine. But I love that talking about that, it because what you just said makes me think of like where I was someplace last week, and I, and, and uh, this girl was saying to me, she was like, "Well, I can't wait for a, a female superhero to be, you know, dressed appropriately for fighting." You know, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, and I think to myself, okay, I mean, all right, but it's like we have to remember that like I'm a man, so I have man perspective. Mm-hmm. I look at things like a man, you know, and it's and we're flawed. Guys yes. are flawed, very flawed. Yeah. So, like for instance, this is a great personal story. I am talking to a friend of mine, and she had breast. She had bre- breast implants. Okay. I'm glad that you couldn't think of what that word. I, I was like, "What am I? What do you call them?" You know. <laughs> so she and so she's saying to me, "I'm talking to her, and I'm like, uh, you know, she's like, ah, these breast implants. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the attention, you know." And I said to her. As a man's perspective, I said, well, then why'd you get them? That was you know? 100% what went through my head. But this is what she said. Okay. She said, I got them because my breasts were really small and, and I want to feel like a woman. She was like, I wanted to feel like a woman. I wanted to wear clothes and I wanted to like have clothes fit. And you know, I wanted to feel, you know, like. And Maybe I, don't I, get the triple Ds. I, it wasn't even like they were that no. big, okay. you know. But my point, though, was like when, I, when she said that to me, I was like, oh, man. That's a perspective that I didn't think of, and and it's like, okay, so this is our problem. This is the communication problem we have between the sexes is that we don't realize that we're coming from, we're speaking a different language, and like as a, and so then we're being men are being put under the coals. We're, we're we're put on the coals because now we have to think like I have to think like a man, but then I also have to be sensitive to that women have a different perspective, right? But like, then we get a little upset because we go, it doesn't have to go the other way. It, it, it doesn't go the other way. Right. Like the things men can get, the things men can get away with, or the things that women can get away with. Right. You know, I have in my act, in other part of my act, I'll say like, you know, like if, if, a, if a, like you're a short guy, you know, sorry, <laughs> but women without even hesitation could be like, oh, he was short. Like, you know, right. he, yes. you know, he was up to here, you know, then I'll say like, I'll put my hands out wide and be like, why can't I be like, she was out to here. <laughs> it's the same, it's the same perspective. Just turn it on its side, you know, just right. flip the axis. It is literally turning it on its side. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? So it's like, but, but they could get away with that. Like I, I, I even use the example of like, I'm an older guy. If I start talking to some woman in her late, in her mid twenties, early twenties, she could say to me, Hey, you know, I prefer younger and more mm-hmm. in shape. And that's a fair assessment. You think I can say that to a woman? I prefer younger and more in shape. <laughs> you think I could get away with that? No. No, so there is a different yeah. level well, everything of communication you're talking in society. About is, everything that you're talking about is also a societal construct. Yes. Even going back from the woman not feeling like a woman, the only reason you don't feel like a woman is because there's this societal construct that she believes that this is what a woman is well, supposed to feel. maybe, maybe not. No? I mean, it, no, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think that there's something feminine about having breasts. They breastfeed. I know about they, it. Like, you know what I mean? They, <laughs> I think there's something about that. And I think that even what you just said is a sort of like a male perspective on that. And I, I just think that the way they feel about their bodies and the way they're perceived, you know, I had this thing in my act where I talk about this Game of Thrones moment um, and when they had the little girl, Arya, mm-hmm. you know, when oh, she, yes. was like, she has this sex scene, you know, and it's like when you see that, you know, as a guy, we're kind of like, 
oh, wow, you know, she looks kind of young. I don't know if I like this. But then there's a female perspective of like, hey, this is the first time on the show that a woman is deciding who and where and why she wants to have mm-hmm. sex for the first time on this show. And uh, she's taking her power right now. And they're looking at it like that. They're cheering for that. They're cheering for that scene. And we're looking at it like, oh, is she 15? Uh, should we be looking at this? Uh, you know, I don't know if I like this. You know, right. you know, it's, it's, like the, it's like when you're younger and you're – I don't even know if you're younger. The first time you watch the Olympics and you're like, should they really be bending <laughs> like that? I don't know. And I'm just talking about curling. Hey, hello. Frank Caliendo, everybody. First but, terrible part of the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like a weird, like, I, and I think that that's what's wrong with society right now is we're so reactionary to things. And we don't take time to really just go, oh, I wonder why that person said that and thought that. Or it's like, or, or like especially, yeah. especially as a comic, like, I'm up here making people laugh. I'm just trying to make people laugh. You know, and so I'm saying something, and if you're a female in the crowd, and you're like, "Oh, I can't believe he said that," then why are you at a comedy show? Because I, because I like to believe that your first shot, your first thought should be, "Oh, he, look, he's so silly." Like, why would you say that? Like, you know, like, oh, he's just trying to be funny. Oh, he's just getting under my skin on purpose. Like, it's like, it's this thought that, like. Judgment is, like, they, oh, they're man. judging you. It's like, no, this is the comedy That's club. the comedy part of it is right. the fact I love this. That, that's why I, I go hard, man. I, I, like, I go hard on purpose because I love watching. I love watching women in the crowd go. Their range of emotions. Because I'll say something that makes them go, oh, I love him. Oh, I can't believe you just said that in the same joke. And that's, I live See, for See, I've never embraced that. And maybe it. I should try and embrace that more. That's a learning thing for me because I always go, I I don't like the people. Like you see them at the beginning and you just know who they're going to be. And if that <laughs> happens at some of the corporate events, like I'll do something and like, ah. And like <laughs> you'd embrace that where I'd be like, come yeah. on. Like you have, a, have more fun with By it. By the way, different environment what I totally understand. When you're doing, but a- my stuff isn't even there. My stuff isn't even oh, like. Wait a second, but a corporate event is like. You ever, did you ever do NACA back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the college stuff. Okay, the college stuff. I, I had a buddy of mine, Bobby Miyamoto. You know, Bobby? He's a just Asian comic. Uh, well, obviously Miyamoto was his name. But um, we would be doing, adopted. We, <laughs> we were doing NACA one time, and he had this joke about the girl that got bit that, that lost her arm to the shark. Okay. And for those people who don't know, NACA is the National Association of College Campus Athletic Campus National Activities. activities. Yeah, college, whatever. It's it's a showcase where the colleges would bid on you yeah, to go to their comics, college. Everything, speakers, right. bands. Yeah. So I said to him, "Don't do that joke," you right. know. And he was like, what, "What are you talking about? This is funny." I go, "Listen, man, these kids, because the kids that are involved in an organization like that in the school, they're not the cool kids, okay." They're not the open-minded kids. Right. These are the nerds. These are the you know, these are the people that are like they they they're uptight. Right. You know, and they're gonna and they're not looking. They, you have to have victimless comedy. Right. And so I feel like I feel like maybe corporate is a little bit. That, well, like I'm that. I'm so safe at the corporates. That's, that's why I get I'm upset. Saying. That's yeah. why I get upset. I go, I'm not doing anything bad but here. This is my point is that you as safe as you think you are, you're you get to understand. I said that. hello, Eric. <laughs> And everybody was like, "Oh, you're, you're greeting us." <laughs> you have to have like a you. You have to realize that your level is so far apart. My arms are really far apart, guys. <laughs> you can't see them, but my arms are. Really, that's your level. Regular people are way in here, man. They're right. way in here. So you have to really be careful. I mean, I had. I remember my worst. I, I had the. I have such a horrible NACA experience. I. I, I first of all, I we've to, been, this is now in the two episodes with you. This is fine. We went. <laughs> I went. Up, I went. Okay, I'm on stage. I had to go up after this rock band. Okay, no, no. Previously, before this, the the host of the this NACA three thousand kids, he decides to bring a couple of students on stage and they're dancing. At the time, there was this song, Superman, whatever this weird rap song is out, and it is a dance to it. You know, they're sliding back and forth. Right. A girl falls off the stage and she cracks her skull. They have to now clear the room, let an ambulance come in, take her out, bring all the kids back in, and restart the showcase. Okay, so they do this. Now it's my turn to go up after this rock band. Now the rock band's up, and the kids are coming towards the stage, and they're dancing and having a good time. I go on stage, and I say, give it up for the rock band, whatever their name was. And then I say, but you guys can't dance up here anymore. You know, you can't dance anymore. 
oh, it was like groans. Yeah. And I said this, too soon? (laughs) (laughs) What was that reaction? That's Man, to me, it was the funniest (laughs) too soon in the history of too soons, okay? Like, it was just a perfect too soon moment, man. Didn't book one college. No. But 10 people walked by me, and under their breath, that was hilarious. Yeah. But I can't book you. Right. Because they're, you know. Because they, they, now yeah. they can't, they, they're worried about what you'll say. No, no. It's just that the people that they're with, they're, they're oh, right. offended. Like, I remember doing some jokes, and this one girl came up to me, nice racism, you know? And I was like, what? what? And it was just one of those things that I had to learn how to do right. those type of gigs. So what I'm saying to you is the same kind of thing. You learn how to do corporate gigs. You learn how to do, you know, specialty. It's a specialty. Like the reason why you make so much money at a corporate gig is because you're playing in their parameters, you're in their box. Exactly. But I'm telling Special. you, this is stuff that I do all the time, and it's just one group that's like overly. And then afterward, they're uh, they're over talking to me, and they're like, "Oh, that was the grace." I'm like, "Then why are you ooing?" They're like, "You know, they didn't even have a reason." The re- I know what because the they reason fe- is. The reason is is because they're around their peers. I don't You're think it's so. corporate and they know each other. I could. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, they have to like virtue signaling and that kind of stuff where they I, have to be like, oh, I can't laugh at that. Nah, I think they just wanted to be part. It was people who that in that environment, they just wanted to be part of the show and because they were drunk early. And like, I don't think that your judgment is that good in terms but if of people are drunk. They're not judging. No, no, no. I that's what I mean. Is yeah. there like that's just their natural, natural oh. inclina- inclination. That's just what they do is like I they they're. They just wanted to be part of it. And I, oh. I was like, that I've was- had some bad experiences at some some like specialty events, corporate events, where it's like I remember this. I was doing this event, and then there's two people sitting in the front row, and they're just interacting with me in a way that was like obnoxious, you know. So then I say to them, I go, I can tell that you two, you must be in charge, you know. You two must be like the the the, the bell of the ball here, man. When I tell you that the rest of the people in that crowd were like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they were just like, yes, you know, and then I knew I was like, okay, so you think it's okay. And then I just like roasted these two for the rest of the show. Right. You know, and then I'm talking about people whispering. They, it was that. Right. This mm-hmm. was the boss. <laughs> yeah. And this was his wife that everybody hates. You know, because she comes you, around. You're now the voice of everybody. I'm the, the voice of everybody. I picked up on it. And that's what I'm talking about a lot, say, as a comic, when you start to read. See, this is what I'm telling you is, like, this thing that you were doing when you were watching me, it's okay. Stop judging yourself. Like, you're judging yourself like you can't enjoy comedy anymore. I feel that from you. I feel that you're so – you intellectualize the whole thing Mm -hmm. and you're looking. You're trying to find ways and you're relating it to yourself. What would I do? What would I – I'm saying to you that that's how you enjoy comedy. And I think that you need to embrace that, and then you'll find yourself just laughing, just enjoying the moment. I don't laugh. Moment. I don't laugh. I do that. I go, yeah, I know. I saw you. Here's what I, I do. I was like, that, that Caliendo's oh, no. back there judging no, me. No, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is what I do when something's right. I go, oh, God, that's good. That's funny. <laughs> I laugh. That's equivalent to your laugh. Yeah, that's my laugh. Uh, and my, my laugh comes on, and you might have heard it. I was the guy who there were like two single boom laughs. <laughs> Like there was a segue back to Aladdin after you've gone totally on something else. And anyway, about Aladdin, did that, and I went, ha! I was like that, and you. It was like you Uh, knew you'd gone, and it was like you wanted to get back there. Yeah. And the audience wouldn't. They didn't pick up on it. But to me, it was he just segued, went somewhere. I don't know if he was planning on going, and then got back to it, and it was smooth. But I'm going. God, he just got back to Aladdin from something totally different. Yes. Fantastic. But it, it, it wasn't even better than fantastic. It was the, I laugh at timing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a brilliant line. I go, that's good. But you're talking, you're talking technical stuff right now. Yeah, but that's what makes me laugh. Somebody does a mm-hmm. weird thing that yes. makes no sense. I see a Theo Vaughn or something yes. like that. He goes off on some weird yeah, yeah, tangent. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what? I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> I go, this is fantastic. I don't understand. And people are loving this. Yeah. That's the brilliance. Yes. Harlan Williams seeing everything in the room. Hey there, can you look at that mic boom behind the microphone, <laughs> finding a way to get those cords over on the wall, yeah. be a friend to me. Did you ever eat Cheerios? Yeah. That to me is like, okay, he's invented something. Thing. I don't care what he's saying. Yeah. It's just funny how he's doing it. All right. 
This has been the greatest 20 minutes that somehow became almost 50 that I've ever been involved with. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll cut it up into different this is great. pieces. I feel like I've like got to fly here more often and just oh, do this with you. This is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this is really great. And uh, uh, so Eric Griffin. Riffin yeah, it's Griffin. Eric Griffin. Go to ericgriffin.com. Everything's there. Riffinwithgriffin.com, which is just another link to ericgriffin.com. And I got my podcast, my dates. You can find everywhere you can listen to my podcast. All the you know all the audio is everywhere you want to see it. Google, Spotify, you know SoundCloud, everywhere you want to see it, it's there. And I'm on YouTube. You know you can find. Just go to my website to get the link. And uh, hey man, like I say, this is great. I've just heard about you, and you know I've seen you, I've admired, and here I am talking to you right now. Like, and I think it's just the camaraderie and the brotherhood of comedians that yeah. we just understand. Yeah, I think it was fun because I think one of the piece parts of things there were things that we we had total agreement on. There were things that we partially agreed on, and things that I I think not like totally disagreed on, but had different perspectives and thoughts. Like you were like, no, no, this is. I'm like, yeah, maybe you're right, but I don't know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna stick my feet in the ground on this one. No, but I mean, no, but it was that, great. That's, that's conversation. That's yes. real, and that's what I think society doesn't do enough of. Right. Is saying, hey, we got similarities, we got differences, and you know what? Let's celebrate both. Instead of trying to be the same. Amen, brother. And for those of you who aren't religious <laughs> in the Christian religion. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, a secular. <laughs> That's it for Eric Griffin. He's fantastic. Check us out at Al Jackson IG on Instagram, at Alan Frank across various forms of social media, at Frank Caliendo. Go to frankpods.com uh, for everything as well. If you can't spell some of that stuff, uh, check out Al on Daily Blast Live uh, every weekday. And uh, that's about it. Until next week, we will, uh, you know, we'll have fun and then we'll come back and try and be serious. That's right. Love you, buddy.